Hey guys, welcome to Pivx Class. Today we're shaking things up a little bit. For a while I've put aside certain topics because there wasn't really enough to talk about to make a full episode. We can spend six to ten minutes talking about ZPOS, but we can't spend much more than three talking about block path. Then I thought, is there a rule that I can't make more than one video per week? So some weeks instead of releasing a regular episode or a Y cryptocurrency episode, we are going to release two or sometimes maybe three short format episodes. We'll just call this series Explained Super Fast. We can even go back and do some former topics in this format because some people may want their definitions more bite-sized. They also have the potential of being more useful for inserting into other conversations or other works to define certain topics. We'll also cut down the beginning and end chatter to shorten the episodes even more. So this will probably actually be the longest Explained Superfast we'll ever make. But anyways, today is block time, Explained Superfast. Okay, block time. Blocks on a blockchain are spaced out to complete at certain intervals of time. In the case of Bitcoin, blocks are 10 minutes apart. The current block gets all the new Bitcoin transactions recorded on it. After approximately 10 minutes, the block gets verified and a new one begins off the history of the previous blocks. An important thing to pay attention to here is the approximately. Block times are not fixed. There is no actual clock deciding when a block will be verified. What is actually happening is the miners of Bitcoin are competing to be the one to verify the block. The mining difficulty of Bitcoin is adjusted to make it so that a block is solved roughly every 10 minutes. So one block might take 9 minutes, and another block might take 11 minutes, but when you average it all out, it boils down to about 10 minutes. Not all block times are the same though. Bitcoin is just the most well-known example out there. Block times are different between different cryptocurrencies. To name a few, Pivx has a 1 minute block time, Ethereum has a block time of 15 seconds, Dash has a two and a half minute block time. Zcash has the same as Dash. And Monero is two minutes. The reason for choosing a specific block time can vary. For a new entrant to crypto, block time generally affects you by speeding up or slowing down how long it takes for your transactions to be confirmed. Many exchanges, for instance, require three confirmations for Bitcoin transactions to be applied to your account. Each confirmation requires the verification of a block. So your Bitcoin transaction takes 30 minutes. That being said, some coins do have features to negate those wait times. Exactly how can differ from coin to coin, but keep an eye out for those features when looking up different coins. And that's it. Block time is just the time period a block occurs over. It is governed by the time it takes for a miner or a staker for those proof of stake coins out there to validate a block. Be sure to leave the video a like and share it around. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I love having you here and I will see you in the next Pivx class. Hey guys, welcome back to Pivx Class. Ever wonder what market cap or rather market capitalization is? Well, today's your lucky day because we're gonna be doing market cap 
explained super fast. Market cap is the way that people typically rank cryptocurrencies against each other. It's pretty simple to calculate if you have a couple of variables. You simply need to multiply the price of the coin by its coin supply. Coin supply is the number of coins in existence. Let's use PIVX as an example. PIV are worth 383 US each at the time of making this video. There are also 56,396,105 PIV in existence at this time. If we multiply those two together, we get 216,034,866 US dollars. That is the market cap. The reason that this is the best metric to rank coins financially is because coin supplies are so different between each coin. Take Bitcoin compared to Ripple. Bitcoin is currently number one on the charts with a price per coin of 7,729 US. Ripple is currently number three with a price per coin of 68 cents. The reason they are so different is because there are only a bit over 17 million Bitcoin in existence, while there are over 39 billion Ripple. Comparing the price per coin ends up being totally useless when you consider those two together. This is why we compare by coin market cap. It's a metric that actually works across all the coins. And that's it. That's what market cap is all about. It's just a relatively fair way to compare cryptocurrencies financially. You get it by multiplying the coin price by the coin supply. Hopefully you enjoyed this video and found it helpful. If you did, please leave us a like and share it on your favorite social media platform. Helps the channel out a lot. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I love having you here, and I will see you in the next Pivx class. Hey there guys, welcome to Pivx class. Today is all about the money, or how we define money anyways. When talking about cryptocurrency, the term fiat currency comes up a lot. So the topic of today, fiat currency explained super fast. The reason that fiat currency is such an important term and gets used so much is because it is referring to the currency that most of us use every day. Currencies like the US dollar or the euro are fiat currencies. They are essentially government-sanctioned money. The only reason they have value is because the government says that they do. That and people agree to accept them, of course. This money can be made at will by governments in whatever quantities they deem appropriate. Typically, this has led to inflation, and in fact, inflation is one of the main issues that cryptocurrency hopes to solve. Perhaps we should briefly take a look at the evolution of money. I think it might help put what fiat currency is into perspective. So before money, there was bartering. That's when you trade one thing for another thing, like corn for a shirt. But it's pretty ineffective sometimes. You might need to buy a shirt off someone, but all you have is corn. The seller doesn't want any corn though. They need more cotton to make more shirts. So then comes what we call commodity currency. Gold and silver are probably the most famous forms of this currency, but in the past, things like salt have been used as currency. Gold is rare and pretty, so people wanted it. A small piece of it could buy you a shirt, so it was transportable too. Eventually, it got kind of tedious carrying around gold, though. While better than carrying around bushels of corn, 
it's still pretty heavy stuff in anything more than a tiny quantity. So people made notes to represent gold. You could take these notes to places like banks and trade it for gold if you wanted to. Or you could just give someone the note for a shirt. This is called representative currency. Sometimes gold's price would get volatile though. Plus governments wanted to be able to control the money supply. So they got rid of gold and just kept the note. This is when it became fiat currency. A piece of paper that says it is worth something. There's nothing behind it, no gold or silver. It just is what it is. Cryptocurrency was essentially created by those that think this form of currency isn't a particularly good form of currency. Personally, I would describe most cryptocurrencies as actually being more like online gold than they are like online dollars. But that's a story for another day. I hope this short history of money helps you grasp fiat currency. If so, please leave us a thumbs up and share the video around. Thank you for tuning in. I love having you here, and I will see you in the next physics class. Hey there guys, welcome back to Pivx Class. Today's video is something that is long overdue. We're going to explain masternodes super fast. We'll start with a loose definition of what masternodes are, and then an example of some of the things that they can do. Okay, so masternodes are special entities that must be operated off of a server. They are required to run 24-7 and remain sync with the blockchain at all times. They also require the owner to lock up a certain amount of the given cryptocurrency to create a masternode. If we use Dash as an example, you must lock up 1000 Dash to make a masternode. A bunch of encrypted data is routinely moved through these masternodes. While it wouldn't be easy for a masternode to tamper with this data anyways, the fact that such a large amount of their own money is on the line is a good deterrent to even trying. As a compensation for their investment and the work that they provide, Masternodes are usually paid some amount of compensation. Their purpose for being is also a little different than stakers or miners. Stakers and miners process blocks of transactions, but in coins that use masternodes, the masternodes perform many of the secondary features on the network. One of those well-known features is providing instant send options. Utilizing a few masternodes, you can have them confirm a transaction before the block is actually complete. Not all masternode coins have this feature, but it isn't uncommon. Pivx masternodes are what enable you to vote in the budget system. Each masternode is worth one vote. Additionally, masternodes can play a major part in the privacy features of a coin. Again, it depends on the coin. Not all masternodes are the same. They can seem pretty daunting to get into at first, but with some education, they aren't a particularly tough thing to learn. At least in terms of learning to run one. Plus, they do require you to own a lot of currency. A Dash node costs $220,000 at this time, but some master nodes only cost a few thousand dollars. A lot of money to be sure, but the ability to directly participate in the network and help keep everything running is a pretty cool opportunity. That's it. That's the short version of master nodes. Not too complicated, really. They provide secondary but very important features to the network. If you found this video helpful, please leave us a like and share it around. Thank you for tuning in, 
I love having you here, and I will see you in the next physics class. Hey there guys, welcome back to Pivx class. Today we have inflation explained super fast. We've actually covered this before, however. It was a longer format video with a more in-depth explanation. So if you'd like to check that out, I'll leave a link in the description below. But for now, let's try the short version. Okay, so inflation is pretty simple. The causes of it can get kind of complex, but the idea is simple. When the price of a good or service is rising, that is inflation. However, typically when people talk about the inflation rate, they are usually referring to the average price of things rising. Food and energy, which includes gas, is not usually included in this rate though. So if you averaged out the cost of things like computers or deodorant or toothpaste or paper, then comparing it to the average from last year, you would find the core inflation rate. The reason the core inflation rate, which is more popular than the entire picture, which includes things like food, is because those things like food and gas can be quite volatile in price, dependent on factors that aren't ongoing. If you focus on more stable things like toothpaste, you can see the steady rise in the price of goods. This rise in price is almost universally accepted as the result of steadily increasing money supply. And this part is pretty important for crypto. Like we talked about in our fiat currency lesson, the government prints more and more money each year. As the amount of money that exists rises, the rarity of that money falls. This makes people perceive it as less valuable. So the price of things goes up to match. Why this matters for various cryptocurrencies? They each have installed different systems to combat this process of inflation. Some have put a hard cap on how many coins can be created. Others have embraced dynamic coin supplies that avoid or limit inflation to negate risk. The solutions are numerous, and each could deserve a video of its own, to be honest. Again, if you'd like to see the longer version, I'll have a link for it in the description below. One for that fiat currency video, too. Anyways, pretty simple video, easy topic. But if you found it helpful, please leave us a like and share the video around. Thank you for tuning in. I love having you here. And I will see you in the next Pivx class.